Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, let's get it on and pop it. What's up? Happy Tuesday to each and every one of you, Buffalonians. What's going on? It is I, Reese, on the radio. I'm back. I'm back, baby. I understand some of you were hoping that I would return, and I am here filling in for Bowerly. On News Radio 930 WBEN. If it's your first time hearing me, that's okay. You can always check me out at ReeseOnTheRadio.com. That's ReeseOnTheRadio.com for the Reese on the Radio Rundown. My podcast is on the uh, Odyssey app. Talking about anything and everything between pop culture and politics. Um, and I don't know what to say, but... Other than it is a pleasure to be here, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. You know the telephone number, 803-0930, that's star 930. Or you could call us at 800-616-WBEN, that's 800-616-9236. I want to hear from you today. A lot of personal questions that I have about the universe at large. I used to do a thing called Therapy Thursday early in my career. Uh, And the whole tagline was, it's my problem, you deal with it. (laughs) Well, I would tell you what was bothering me and then get your advice. Well, we have a a saying in uh, one of the places that I go, um, uh, let me give you some advice. I'm not using it. (laughs) So I like hearing from other people. Their perspectives are interesting to me. That's what talk radio is about. Talking about news and uh, events, social events and pop culture in the day. And to get your feedback, maybe we realize something about one another that, wow, we're we're not all that dissimilar. Or we are really on different ends of the spectrum, right? It's like that's the whole idea is to get sort of a feel of what your fellow man and woman is thinking. Why they vote the way they do. Why they think the way they do. Why they do the things they do. That's what this is about. That's the experiment of talk radio. So I'm hoping to do that with you today, and I hope you'll join me in those uh, conversations. Today I'm gonna talk about plenty of those things. I've I've gotta pick your brain on the migrant crisis, not to complain about it. There's enough of that on talk radio and the the news channels. I wanna get your perspective on something. This is much more, it's much more interesting if I understand you on this subject. How much would you take as a payment Think about it. We have cities that are coming out and suggesting 
We don't have enough room to house illegals or migrants, whatever they're being called this week. We don't have enough places to put people who are coming into the country seeking shelter. So they now have expanded that to people's homes, personal residences. I've got a story coming up. I'll play you the audio in Brookline, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Where a family, I guess a couple, they're empty nesters, they appear to be, took in a family of four, husband, wife, two children, and brought them into their homes. Now, there's no report on how much they took, but New York City, Mayor Eric Adams, had offered as much as $125 to house migrants in your personal residence. Now, that was back in June. I've not seen another report, and trust me when I tell you, I scoured. Unless someone can tell me different, I scoured. I don't know if that that program's been implemented or anybody took the mayor up on his offer. But I want to know, since it looks like it's a viable option to at least government, what would be your floor? Not ceiling. What would be your floor? Is $125 a night like a hotel room? Is that good enough? Or is it higher? Or would you not do it at all? I want to hear all all takers. If you think that this idea is dangerous, I do. I do. Bought a house. We do have an extra bedroom. It's for our, you know, my stepson, her son, who's 16, who's going to be traveling between here and his dad's. He'll be staying here during the summer and sometimes during breaks, you know, Christmas break and holiday breaks. We don't really have the room, but we kind of have the room. But I, I, I don't think there's an amount, um, an amount of money that I would take for one of these people to come into my home. And before anybody starts screaming about, what do you mean these people? These people who are migrants who need a place. It doesn't mean anything to say these people. <laughs> but I want to hear from you. Do you have a floor? The ceiling is obvious. You know, some people will say, I'll do it for a million dollars. I get that. I don't want the obvious people. I want to hear from those people who say, you know, is there a person who would do it for free? Oh, baby. I definitely want to hear from you. Because I get the impression this, this family in Brookline is doing it for nothing. At, at least they're not disclosing what they're being paid. I mean, they called the state. Let's, if I, if I may, indulge me a bit here. This is from WBZ, Channel 2 Eyeball News, as Rush Limbaugh used to call it. <laughs> Talking about this family who took in a family of four. Give it a sec here. Thank you. Well, Lisa, with the state shelters at capacity and, of course, those images of those families sleeping at Logan Airport, the Stokes family said they knew it was time for them to step up and help. The family is lovely. They're so appreciative. They're, it, it's, been, it's been wonderful. When Colin and Jessica Stokes called the state to sign up to be a host family, it took less than an hour for the displaced migrants to be dropped off at their door. I gotta get sheets on the bed. How many people are coming? Right. Where, are they, where are they from? What ages? We, knew, we really knew nothing. The need is so clearly uh, overwhelming. The family of four who didn't want to go on camera had been sleeping at Logan Airport. The parents and two kids journeyed 
made from Chile to Texas, then Massachusetts, and there are so many stories like it. It boggles the mind that there are so many hundreds of those stories and those people who are in such a uh, stressful, traumatic transition. It now, I know what some of you are going to say when you hear this. You're probably thinking of hundreds of families, hundreds of people who were right outside their door, maybe just down the road. Perhaps a homeless veteran who served this country, who now has other problems and just can't seem to get on their feet. Why not them? And okay, I, I get that. But we know for a fact that the local governments in many of these states right here in New York, their priority are people seeking sanctuary in our fair cities. So, and I, I guess you can call these people, the Stokes, by the way, that's their name. You can call them noble. You can call them kind. How, how fortunate for them to be able to take in a migrant family and bring them into their homes. Now, I said on my podcast last night, you, you don't want to hear a story like this and then a year down the road or maybe six months down the road, the news media is at the Stokes family home for a different reason. You know, a bad reason. You don't, because again, you don't know who you're taking in. Sure, it's a family. Sure, it's painted as such that these are just asylum seekers who are running away from violence and turmoil, who are just looking for an opportunity to be free and to take care of their family. Yeah, 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 pull the heartstrings. I get it. I get it. And I'm saying that with that kind of consternation because, again, my, I've already given my answer. My answer is no. Some of you are out there, I hear you, hell to the no. <laughs> and God bless you. I, and I appreciate you for being so honest with yourself. <laughs> And you can call in and tell me about it as well. But I really want to hear from someone who says, look, you know what? I've got to, yeah, I'll take a couple of hundred bucks. Because it is an interesting, it is interesting. Remember what they're saying, right? That the government's saying that uh, right now the resources are being used up in shelters. And they're ending up in some of the poorer people's neighborhoods, people of color, let's be honest. They're moving them into there, and resources are being dried up by them that they normally wouldn't give to people who uh, live in the uh, neighborhoods. Let's go to the phones. 803-0930-STAR-930. Let's go to Justin in Cheektowaga. Hello, Justin. You're on with Reese on the radio on Bowerly. Hey, how are you doing today? How are you, sir? <laughs> well, uh, I'm laughing at the insanity that's that's going on with these immigrants. <laughs> oh, uh, it, listen, it's fairly insane. Uh, but... I think it's it's past that point, and it's it's really <laughs> hysterical with the idiotic mayor out of New York City that's trying to use the city law for the whole state. You know mm. that they they deserve the right to shelter. Well, they should have thought about that. And the interesting part is when they come over here, they get all brand new clothes. 
uh, designer jeans, cell phones in their hands, new backpacks, and we're supposed to support them. And what's really it was, sick, It's funny that you say that, Justin. Let me Let me say this. I found it interesting. Remember the Biden administration last year introduced an app that migrants could download to, yep. to, in order to get asylum, right? So it's like, it was, yeah. in essence, I'm going to streamline the asylum process with an app. And in my head, I went, wait a minute. Cell phones, my wife can't get a new cell phone now because she can't qualify the cost. She's saying, right. I, I don't know if I want to spend another $1,000 on a phone. Like that, not that she couldn't afford it. She just can't qualify. She would rather deal with an old beat up phone than to spend $1,000. And you got these kids coming over with new iPhones? And yep. they do. They have them. And who's paying for it all? Exactly. I, I think, and I think the sickest part, not to get off the subject, is all their medical care and everything is being taken care of through the VA, Veterans Administration. Justin, I'm going to, you know what, you bring up a great point. In fact, I'll bring it up now while I've got you here. Think about this. I heard people in Chicago who were outraged that migrants were going to go to California. 700,000 of them, according to Governor Gavin Newsom, were going to get free health care. And so people in the African-American community were going, that's not fair. What do you mean they're getting free health care? And I pushed back on them and I said this and I went, hold on. Weren't you the people who were celebrating Obamacare just about eight years ago? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? I thought well, I I'll thought you here. guys were okay with Obamacare. <laughs> what what, well, what happened here's, though? Here's the crazy part about it because I've got I've got a friend of mine that owns a house in a city that he was running out. He uh -huh. hasn't been paid a dime of rent in over a year. Wow. Uh, still cannot get them out. They can do, pretty much do whatever they want. And I'll tell you, uh, some of these people, God love them, take them into your homes and try and get them out. Not going to happen. Don't wind up taking so over your funny. house. It's uh, so funny. One of my listeners from Boston in particular said after six months, they'll be able to claim squatter's rights in your home. Yes. And yep. that's it. It's a wrap. And, and you know, there's a Imagine if those people, and I say that in a, in a sense of not that I expected it from this family. I really don't. But you take someone into your house, Justin. They stay there, and let's say they wreak havoc, right? The, the bills are going up. In fact, in part of this story, the parents will not be able to get work visas for months. So who's paying for them to live there? How are they being compensate, compensated as far as food is concerned, because $125 is going to have to be paid to get, I mean, how, how are these people going to be taken care of, right? right. So e even if you they did get that amount, there's a lot of money that's going to be spent because these people can't even make a living for themselves for months down the road. So this becomes untenable, unsustainable. Something's going to happen. And what is what happens when these people cost more than the goodwill that's being given to them? What happens well, then? You can't New, get rid of New York them. City, New York City, I do believe, has spent over $12 billion on immigrants already. Oh, indeed. And our governor wants to give them another billion. Oh, yeah. That, that, and, uh, and where does that all come from? Chris Murphy, the senator, the junior senator of Connecticut, was on Chris Hayes' show on MSNBC, and I'll play the audio later. He called them the most important people we care about, he said, of migrants. This guy's a Democrat. And he said the quiet part out loud. 
the most important people we care about. And I have the audio. And, and that's all you need to know. So people who live in the communities that are being affected by this, you know, it's right across the street from the station. And, and, and being protected by National Guard. That's yep. how bad it is. We, you yep, can't yep. even get that connect. You can't even get that that protection in the Fruit Loop. No, no, not not at, not at all. And even the ones that are uh, at the hotels by the airport in Chicago, you ought to see the police police reports, <laughs> shoplifting, yeah. uh, trying to assault twelve year old girls. Oh. I mean, it's unbelievable, unbelievable, Again, and, and we're paying for all of that. Indeed. Uh, so, like I said, I'm 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 just asking the question. If there's someone out there, if you're if you were interested, if you wanted to make a buck, what would be your floor? And I don't care if it's unreasonable. If your floor is a million dollars, I want to hear, uh, and I want to hear why. Because obviously the Stokes here thought it was a good idea. They're going to do it, and they're trying to encourage others. I'll play more of it later on. Justin, thank you for the call in the back and forth, sir. Well, let, let me leave you with this one. Anybody yes, sir. Anybody who wants to take these people into their homes, uh, they need to make a trip to Lilydale as soon as it opens and see if they can contact their brains. <laughs> you know what? With that, that makes sense because I, I don't think anybody's thinking here. I don't. And, and, when your emo- and when your emotions take precedent from your brain, uh, bad things happen. They just do. Oh, I agree. Uh, People just yeah. don't think anymore. But yeah, it's Oh, well, sad. hey, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, Justin, and thank you for the call. Folks, like I said, if you – this is – look, this is something they're considering. Massachusetts has already considered it. Obviously, Mayor Eric Adams of New York City has considered it. He went so far as to ask people if they were interested. I mean, don't believe me. Take his word for it. Here he is right here. If New Yorkers are willing to house asylum seekers, they could earn up to $125 a night. That would be money paid for by the city. This as thousands of migrants continue arriving here in the city every week. Yeah, that's what he's proposing. And Massachusetts took him up on it and said, yeah, we'll do that here. <laughs> Let's go to Lou in Amherst. Hello, Lou. You're on my recent radio on Bowerly. Yeah, um, my best friend's daughter is totally infatuated with a young man from Venezuela. Mm. And the mother, the mother loves him as much as the daughter does. She is so impressed. He's so courteous. He's, he's just the nicest person you ever want to meet. He says, I'd like to date. He asked. You know, he asked uh, her, can I like to date your daughter? And he's such a gentleman, she has no problem with it. But uh, I think the problem is, though, the fact that uh, uh, they, live, they live at the airport. You know, they're staying in a hotel. I guess it's two boys and a mother and father. But I think the relationship is going downhill because they can't be alone together. Here, these are two kids like, like 16, 17 years old. And oh, they're yeah, afraid to really leave them alone. Oh, no. You know, I wouldn't do that for, and, listen, uh, no offense to the Venezuelan boy, but I wouldn't do that for an Amer- with an American boy. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, 16 or 17, I think you're a little naive, my friend. What do I have any going on there? Yeah, but, exactly. I, I mean, th- there, there's there's some things that you can't, look, I'm, I'm certain that many of them are nice people. I have no issue with whether or not they're nice people. 
But you got to ask yourself question, Lou. Lou, what would, if you had to, go, go as crazy as you could. What would be your floor to take in a migrant family? Let's just say, I don't know, a husband and wife or a mother and a child, if you had a floor. I would do it. I'll tell you why. You know how much, you know how much they're getting a month, not just a one-time stipend? What's that? How much? Where is they getting $5,000 like a month? How much? 5000 a month. 5000 a month. Yeah, that's that's like two mortgage payments. <laughs> I'll take them for they can stay at my place for 5000 a month. Are you kidding me? I, okay. I, I, so I, obviously, so obviously you have a floor. Okay, that's you, Lou, you you're talking exactly exactly in the space I want to be at. Thank you for the call. We're going to take a break in a little bit, but Lou, thank you again, and thank you, Justin, for your call as well. When we come back, I want to hear from you. As you start getting in your car and start heading home for all you early risers, you come back. We're talking about um, what would be your floor? How much money would you be willing to take to take one of these illegals or migrants, as they're being called, into your home if the city or the state was paying for it? I mean, it is taxpayer money, so apparently it's going right back to you. Would you do it? Do you think it's crazy? Your opinions. All that and more. It's star 930, 803, 930, 0930, sorry, 800 616 WBEN. It's Reese on the radio filling in for Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Filling in for Bowerly this afternoon, telephone number 803-0930, star 930, and 800-616-9236, or B-E-N, if you wish to call in and opine this afternoon. Uh, I've got plenty of other stuff to talk about. This one was just this. I did this story yesterday on my podcast, and it was, for me, I, I couldn't get over 
this family. And it's I, maybe it's my skepticism or being cynical that immediately took me to a dark place. Maybe it's the news media. I can, I can come up with a bunch of th- reasons why I wouldn't. But this kind family, and that's all I can describe them. I'm not ragging them. I don't want to call them. I'm not calling them silly or uninformed or misinformed, foolhardy. None of those words. <laughs> I'm just saying it's curious. They thought it good of themselves. You know, let's take in this family. You know, we let's be a part of the solution. They took a family of four into their own home. So it begged the question, how many people would jump in? Mayors and governors believe that in some cases think that this would work, that families would just take them in. That's how much they care about this issue, the migrant illegal crisis. You know, that's what matters to them. To the phones we go. Let's go to Kevin in Jamestown. Hello, James. I mean, sorry. Let's, hello, Kevin in Jamestown. You want to reach on the radio in for Bowerly, sir? What say you? You you yeah. actually have a number. I say that if the government's given the migrants now, if they're a nice, clean family, no drugs, uh, decent people, I would rent my apartment or let them stay at my apartment. I would move upstairs. If they give me $125 a day, send them my way. So so you like uh, Mayor Eric Adams' proposal for 125 a day? Hell yes, I do. After seven days, my rent will be paid, and I'll be making money the rest of the month. <laughs> right? Well, let's look at that. Yeah, $125 a day would put you at $3,750, $3,750. Uh, assuming that your rent, what, 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 if you don't mind my asking, what's your rent payment looking uh, like now? Seven and a half, we'll say. Seven and a half thousand? Seven, no, seven hundred and fifty dollars oh, a month. Goodness gracious. <laughs> no. Okay. And I say, and they give me $125 a day, which I would have my rent paid in a week. And I'd be Clearly. making 125 for uh, what? How many more days? Uh, I think you're you 21? would be covered at that level. You'd you'd have a thirty a three thousand dollar a month windfall. Right, right. And I would I would move upstairs, downstairs. I don't need a lot of room, but I let if they're decent and you know the stuff. You can't have bad people or well, of course people doing drugs. And some someone's got to be looking for a job or something. But see, but Kevin, one, let me stop you ahead. for a second. Let me let me ask you this now. What? Now again, I don't want to poo-poo on your parade. I, I get what you're saying, okay. here, right? And and I understand all of the caveats, right? So the caveats here is, of course, they have to be a decent family. They must be clean. You know, they can't be you know like, like those New York hotel residents that were trashing the place right. and drinking beer everywhere. You want a very respectable yeah, that, couple. But here's my problem. Sure, they have. They'd have to be looking for a job, also. Right now, here. But here's my problem. Here. Here's my problem. The part that yes. really, really bothers me is that what we know for certain, and we can definitely gauge it for certain, is that the government, the federal government, is not vetting any of these people. They're barely That's vetting the We don't even know in some cases whether or not the children who are traveling with many of these people are actually the children of said people. <laughs> we don't know whether or not they've got of obligations to cartel members or other coyotes. Right. We know nothing. <laughs> 
So, so right. your caveats oh, may be a for you know, in other words, that, that that may be you know spitting in the wind because there's no way to to, to discern if those people are clean or you know law abiding. Right, that would be the problem if they weren't yeah. clean or had problems, they'd be out real quick. But I'll tell you, I, I really thought about it. If someone, you know, couple with a couple kids, had you know, and the government was doing that, I would do it. I really would. That, like I said, that. And your reasons, and again, it is primarily for you, you're saying the financial benefits for you. It's not about any nobility or virtuousness. Or, it, it's not about any no, of that. It's I, like that, for you, it would help you financially. Oh, definitely. It would help okay. me financially. I I move upstairs or downstairs, let them have the whole apartment here. I, listen, you listen. Well, I tell you, Kevin, I want to understand people's motivations, not to criticize them. I just want to, I need to get a little feedback so I understand where we are on this subject. And I think, believe it or not, politicians listen to WBEN. They do want right. to know what you think. You think they're not listening. Right. They are. You know, they, they're, they're right. looking to hear, they're looking to hear from you so that they can at least make their own case if they decide to do this. Hey, you know, I was listening to the radio the other day, and people were talking about this, and people seem right. to be okay. Well, so. <laughs> if this could kill two birds with one stone, if I had a decent family, it would help out the migrant problem, and then it would also help out my financial problem. The problem is the vetting. You're right. You're totally right. understand that. Hey, Thank you, Kevin. I, pre I appreciate the call and, and your insights. I'm right, sorry? Thanks, buddy. Oh, my pleasure. Thank my pleasure, you. sir. Thank you. Have a great have a great week. Great great west uh, rest of your week. I'm in talk radio and I can't do that. <laughs> have a great rest of your week, Kevin. I appreciate the call. Give me your take. 803-0930. That is star 930 800-616-WBEN or 800-616-9236. I'm not really really good with the thing with the letters on there and I start looking at it because you think I know it by now when I was a kid my grandparents had a telephone number that began with OL9 I still know what OL9 well I don't know it I just know where the numbers are. <laughs> their number was OL96139 I'll never forget that number that that number she had that number when I was four I'm 54 today I still remember that telephone number it's weird how that stuff sticks in your head um, I've got plenty of news and plenty of views to talk about today. And again, every part of today's show involves you, your opinions, your take, your point of view. Um, I want to talk today just to give you a little heads up if you want to chime in on this, if you don't want to chime on on that. One of the things I want to talk about today is what would you let AI do? Artificial intelligence. What would you let AI do. There's a website called if I let me let me get it up here so I can I want to get the right address if you're interested in this because I am. It's the website's called willrobotstakemyjob.com. Willrobotstakemyjob.com. And to just let you know from my point of view do I believe that robots will not in every aspect? I do believe in some others. Robots will. I don't believe in waiters and waitresses. There are a lot of these new companies that are trying to automate their waiters and waitresses. There's no incentive to tip a robot. And I think that there's a human connection when someone's bringing your food. 
I think people like that. I don't think waitresses or waiters are going to ever be obsolete. People might try it in that respect, but I don't see that happening. But this website breaks down what the risk of your job being lost is when it comes to robots or AI. Let me give you a quick example. I looked this up because a friend of mine uh, is in a group called Club Nouveau. They have a new single out, by the way. Um, Jay King, I asked him, I asked the, the internet, musicians and singers, will robots take my job? And it calculated the risk level at 45%. Musicians and singers, 45%. That means, according to this, it's a moderate risk that our music and musicians will be replaced by robots or AI. So if you've got one that you want to know, uh, there's one that I'm personally interested in. I will never let a robot cut my hair, <laughs> ever. <laughs> Back to the phones we go. That is 800-616-WBEN. Let's go to Sue in Lockport. Hello, Sue. You're on with Reese on the radio on the Bowerly Show. Hi. I just uh, wanted to comment on the last person. It sounds like a nice amount of money to get. But yes. if we know nothing about them, we don't know if they've had any vaccinations. We don't know any diseases. Yep. We don't know if they'll comply with, you know, doing things our way and our laws. And what mm -hmm. happens if you you have them there and things don't work out? How do you evict them? You're bringing up exactly the points that I was bringing up. There, you know, you brought up the the vaccinations and you know diseases, as it were. And you can't really talk like as soon as you mention diseases, like what are you saying? They're dirty. I'm like, no one's saying that they're not. But if they're fleeing asylum and they're in a third world country, what's the likelihood that they are at least a society? that could be getting the medical attention that they need in the event that they had diseases. And we're not talking about like, you know, venereal here. We're talking about right. things like measles, mumps, uh, uh, right. anything. Right. So it, apparently it's, they're, they're coming from like 140 different countries. Clearly. So there's quite a bit of likelihood of that. They're, they're not used to, obviously the ones that were in New York city, given the finger after walking out of the courtroom, they're, they're not used to following the law. Yeah, I think, exactly. I think it's a huge disaster. I honestly think they were allowed in to totally screw up another vote and, you know, that they'll allow them to vote. And I don't believe that they're coming in here with the respect and, and appreciation of being an American. Well, remember, well, Sue, I'm... I, I think the sad part is, and you and I are in the same place, in the same place here. Of course, they don't, but that's the reason why there are so many people who are encouraging them to come. They hate patriots. Think right. of think of all of the people who are valuing the influx of these people into our country, and then look over at their demeanor when it comes to people who are patriotic, God-loving, country-loving citizens. Oh, and damn if you're white. If you're, if you're the trifecta of what they call fascist now, right? God-fearing, you know, country-loving white Americans. That's the trifecta of Nazism today. You look at what they say about, you think about what they say about migrants and then what they say about you and I, right? And, and then you'll get it. 
Of course they would be a champion for people who come here and don't respect this country. Right. They don't. They look down on us. Yeah. It's like, I mean, every one of my uncles was in the in World War II. I had an uncle that was buried at sea, even cousins. Everyone was in. People were proud. They, people have come home losing limbs and lives and, mm-hmm. and their eyesight and, you know, all the things that they've given. And, and I can't believe that they're, you know, I, I know a couple families that are homeless. And these people are being put up in hotels. They're provided food. They're provided phones. It's like who with any common sense thinks that this is normal? Who does? You know what, Sue? How about this? Talk about not reading the room. Every one of these politicians, Kathy Hochul as well, in particular, we know that they can see how angry people are across the country with what they're doing. They're well aware of it. Chicago notwithstanding, which again is turning into a powder keg as far as African-American voters in Chicago, they can see that as well as you and I, who were very, very versed on this subject, they see it too. And what do they do? They do more of it. And you have to ask yourself, are they crazy or what? And I don't think they're crazy. I think it's all by design. I think we need to get off this nonsense that they don't know what they're doing. I think they're fully aware of what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Even when they stand up, when Karine Jean-Pierre stands up at the podium and blatantly lies to the press, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's funny because I hear people use the term gaslight. And and I go, folks, you clearly are overusing that. It's lying. Because gaslighting needs a willing participant. Yeah, I'd like to know why our side is so wussy about, you know, calling things what they are. Sue, can I explain? Hold on. Tanner, do I have time? How many minutes do I have? I promise I won't use a lot. Good. I can do this. Sue, take a walk with me for a little bit. (laughs) Let me tell you why they're doing, why, why this is happening. Okay. Now, just so everybody understands, I don't want them to lose it. Tell me your question one more time so everybody hears it. Why are Republicans? Why they're allowing it to happen? Yeah. Why are they? Why are they such wussies, as it were? Yeah, why right? they wussies that they won't stand up and they won't the stand other up. Side is so evil towards us, yet we're afraid to use the right words to describe their bad behavior. I will give you, you know? four words. Okay. I will give you four words. The four words are Liz Cheney. Mitt oh, Romney. Oh, yeah. Now hear me He's out. Yeah. Now, does anybody know who was, before Kamala Harris, the worst vice president, as far as polling data is concerned, the worst vice president in the history of vice presidents at a 28% ratio? Do you remember who that was? The worst? No, I don't. None other than Darth Vader, Dick Cheney. Oh, Dick. Okay, okay. Cheney. That's right. He was considered I the never, worst vice I never president. I realized until after they were out how, how, how bad they were, you know? Yeah. So, so Dick Cheney, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, shows up at the memorial for January 6th on the Senate floor with Democrats. Wow. And people were on MSNBC saying, I can't believe my, 
I can't believe what I'm about to say, but I'm in line with Dick Cheney. People who hated Dick Cheney's entire career. They made a movie about him where Christian right. Bale, who received an award, called him. Uh, uh, he said that he was finding uh, he was channeling Satan himself in order to play the role of Dick Cheney. The leftists hated him. But all of a sudden, on the anniversary of January 6th, he is loved and revered by MSNBC. Who knew? Liz Cheney as well, loved and adored, used is now the template of, hey, a good and a behaving Republican. Look at old good Liz Cheney behaving like a Republican we can respect. Mitt Romney gets a 1,700-word article in the Washington Post about how he allegedly beat up an a ambiguously gay boy when he was a child while he was running for president in 2012. And what happened to Mitt Romney? Although he was a little milk toast at the time, he went full liberal on us. Right. And the reason why Republicans have been such wusses is because they cannot avoid the liberal media stronghold on the narrative. So they tread lightly. They are afraid that anything they say and anything that they do will show up on ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, and CNN, and they will be maligned and they will no longer be popular because some of these people, unfortunately, are egomaniacs. And that's the reason why they tread lightly. That's the yeah, reason they're why not, they're wusses. They're not in there to serve the people. They're, they're in there that's for right. themselves. It is about their own personal reputations. So when you see... Everyone in the news media and everyone on social media, when they're all looking at that individual calling him a reprobate, look in the other direction. It is a coordinated attack against someone who they wish to silence because they're either one telling the truth or they're being effective. It's the reason right. why they hate Trump. That's so do it. we have any hope, no matter how, how low um, Biden's polls are? And yes, I had a mother who died of Alzheimer's full-blown, and I recognize, it. do we have any hope of winning the election in 24? Yes. I think they're filling out ballots as we speak. That's probably they're, true. That's probably, probably true, but even... Reaching every direction of what they can do to cheat. But you have to remember this. This is a very important thing that we, that we need take, have to take note. If the cheaters are cheating, what they're cheating for will be the ultimate demise of all of their lives. I think they've called off those people and said, look, we can't have another four years of this guy. It's that bad. Right. And, and I think that there's going to be, I, I believe that there's a groundswell right now that says, look, I don't care what you say, news media, you've been wrong before, you've been wrong for the past five years, from COVID to COVID vaccines to the right. Russiagate nonsense, we've had enough, we're not going to let you, we're not going to let you dictate the narrative anymore. Right. So you have to, and this Mark from West Hartford, he actually just said this, he says, my credo is risk being hated for doing and saying the right thing. That's what we right. need more of in office. Right. So... I appreciate you, Sue, and thank you for allowing me to tug right, on your ear for a bit. So much. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope we, I hope we have some hope. <laughs> yeah, I, that's all we have to do is keep it. That's all we need. All right. That's all we have to do thank is keep you. it. <laughs> thank you, Sue. Um, we can take a break now, right? Okay, we'll take a break. 
When we come back, more news, more views. I'm going to get into this AI story, and I'm also going to celebrate my wife in the next hour because it's our anniversary tomorrow, which is also Valentine's Day. I'll talk to you about how she's wrangled me into that thing. <laughs> we'll talk about that much, much more. It's Reese on the radio filling in for Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Man, oh man, oh man. The news just keeps on coming. I, I just, I can't stop it, folks. <laughs> I have no control over it. It's just, it's going to happen because it's going to happen. Folks, you can check me out at ReeseOnTheRadio.com. That's ReeseOnTheRadio.com. I am your host uh, until 6 p.m. Reese on the Radio from the Reese on the Radio Rundown. You can find it on your Odyssey app or ReeseOnTheRadio.com. I am a weeknight show. I rarely do the show if I'm on radio for four hours. So that's why I put the show up on ReeseOnTheRadio.com so you can watch it live. Become a friend with, uh, of us on Facebook and X and Instagram and plenty of videos and content for you to see. Um, uh, you help out the podcast just by showing up. We don't do any paywalls, and I don't want your money. I, I want your time. <laughs> I'm filling in for Bowerly today, and it's a pleasure to be back on News Radio 930 WBEN. Um, if you look on my website, I put a picture up of this young lady, um, and it's a sad story. I'll get back into the topic that, that, that I started with. Uh, in fact, I, I think it dovetails. If you're just joining us, you're just getting in the car and you're on the drive home, I was talking about how a family in Brookline, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, has decided to take a, a migrant family. We're using that term loosely, of course. A migrant family into their home, a mother, a father, and two children into their home. Now, it hasn't been disclosed whether or not they've been receiving any money or have received any money from the state, if not locally. Uh, but Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, was offering... Uh, people $125 a night to house migrants in their home, much like you would a hotel stay. And I asked the question, what's your floor? What is the amount of money you would take? We got a caller, uh, Kevin, called in and said he would take it. $125 a night, 30 days in the month, pull in $3,750, $3,750. People have a price. I hate saying it, but it's true. But they do have a price. And desperate times calls for desperate measures. You want to know what people are willing to do in order to make money? Let's go no further than another person who's had some controversy in her life. And an unforced era. Rachel Dolezal. Do you remember her? Rachel Dolezal. For those of you who don't, it's been a while. She was the president of the NAACP out of Spokane, Washington. And she got notoriety because she accused certain people in Spokane, Washington of sending her hate mail and death threats, calling her the N-word. After further investigation by a news reporter, it turns out, oh, and police, it turns out that she had been sending those letters to herself. As a part of that scandal, news got out that Rachel Dolezal was never black at all. She comes from white parents. 
This, of course, ruined her reputation, forced her to resign from the Spokane, Washington chapter of the NAACP. She went on to change her name to some African name. She called herself trans black. I don't know what that means or transracial. I guess you can just wake up one day and just be a different race. Tomorrow I'll be Lithuanian. <laughs> just because you can. <laughs> According to Rachel Dolezal. But back to my point. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Rachel Dolezal is now a school teacher in Arizona at the Catalina Foothills School District in Arizona. And to make ends meet, ladies and gentlemen, she now has an OnlyFans account. Ooh. I'm not even going to describe to you what I'm the I, I'm not watching any video of it just to make it clear but just the description on her page she actually has a laid out description of the things that that she's doing on OnlyFans and as soon as I looked at it my, and one of my listeners sent it to me said hey have you seen this and I'm like oh, no I have not and I'm not going to not putting that on my history <laughs> But yeah, according to libs of TikTok, they have re meet Rachel Dolezal, former leader of the NAACP, who resigned in disgrace, pretending to be black. She changed her name and is now a teacher in Catalina Foothills School in the School District in Arizona. She is also very active on OnlyFans, and she put that link on her Facebook page. Damn, people have a price. People have a price. We, I know, and, and, and again, it's it, it is sad. I feel bad. Everything about Rachel Dolezal is an unforced error, and again, that's because there's no accountability with Rachel Dolezal. There just isn't any accountability. You take ownership, and that's how you. People will forgive you, but it's blaming everyone. Rachel Dolezal did this from the start. Did you know this little tidbit? I bet you, you didn't know this, Tanner. Rachel Dolezal's controversy did not start at Spokane in Spokane, Washington. It did not. It started years before then. Rachel Dolezal was a part of a very famous lawsuit in Washington, D.C. Many people don't know it, but it was famous to the people of D.C., she was a white woman, still is, by the way, <laughs> a white woman who sued Howard University for discrimination. <laughs> Again, a white woman who sued Howard University, historically black college, of discrimination because they refused to hire a white woman for a position at Howard University, <laughs> a historically black college, to then go on and become the president of the NAACP in Spokane, Washington by pretending to be black. God bless her, ladies and gentlemen. God bless her. <laughs> no one is impressed with that more than me. <laughs> that, is the, that is the pure definition, boys and girls, of the word hubris. <laughs> Uh, so again, everyone has a price. 
Are you willing to do it? Would you take someone home? Maybe, you know, I don't want to suggest Kevin in Jamestown is having a hard time, but you know what? Money is money, as they say, right? Money is money. And more and more today, we're seeing people lower their standards for a buck. That is unfortunate. People call it cultural rot. Some people even go so far as to say we need this to happen so that we can build ourselves back up to some meaningful uh, to some meaningful place where we have standards and morals that we need to go all the way down to the bottom. I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to take that sacrifice. Not willing to make that sacrifice. Not that I'm being judgy. I'm just saying that, you know, it's got to be some, it's got to be some limitations on this. And I think that a lot of these politicians are taking advantage of people's financial situations. That's Sue who called earlier, you know, they got to know, right? They've got to know that they're what they're doing. Of course they do. In case you missed it, we're talking about a family out of Brookline, out of Brookline, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. This is uh, this family talking about taking in illegals into their home. They wanted to be a part of the problem, and they want to encourage others to do the same. Here's their story. Well, Lisa, with the state shelters at capacity and, of course, those images of those families sleeping at Logan Airport, the Stokes family said they knew it was time for them to step up and help. The family is lovely. They're so appreciative. They're, it, it's, been, it's been wonderful. When Colin and Jessica Stokes called the state to sign up to be a host family, it took less than an hour for the displaced migrants to be dropped off at their door. I gotta get sheets on the bed. How many people are coming? Right. Where, are they, where are they from? What ages? We, knew, we really knew nothing. The need is so clearly uh, overwhelming. The family of four who didn't want to go on camera had been sleeping at Logan Airport. The parents and two kids journeyed from Chile to Texas, then Massachusetts, and there are so many stories like it. It boggles the mind that there are so many hundreds of those stories and those people who are in such a uh, stressful, traumatic transition. It comes as the state's newest emergency shelter in Roxbury reached its capacity of 400 people in a week. An office building in Boston Seaport could be the next site but there are concerns. Having a site with no running water, no showers, to me, uh, would be a non-starter. It is incredible to observe on the front lines how challenging it is. Yeah, it is challenging. In fact, they called the state. This was not something that was presented to them. They saw the story like we all did. They said, what can we do? They called the state within an hour. We got your family. That's how dire it is. I get it. And again, this is uh, this is not the crap on the Stokes. It's not. They, of their own free will, they decided to do this. Good on them. Good on them. I, I again, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Good on them. I wouldn't have done it though. As many people wouldn't.
but there are some people who would. Let's go to the phones. 803-0930-STAR-930, 800-616-WBEN. Let's go to Pat. Hello, Pat. You're on with Reese on the radio on The Bowerly Show. Hey, Reese. Hey, man. Um, yeah, first time caller at any radio station. I got a question about that. You know, sure, $125 a night, $3,700 a month. Sounds great. Right. But is New York State going to retax you as an income? Of course. Uh, yeah, this is so to me, really? Pat. I know my audience no matter where I go. That's why I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. I knew that question was coming. Pat, we're talking about New York State. What did what did what did Governor uh, uh, Cuomo do when he asked for nurses to come to New York City to take care of COVID patients and work here and pay them? What was the first thing he did when they got here? He taxed them twice. Well, that's where I'm getting. So, yeah, so everybody thinks they're going to bring bring home this money. You're really not bringing home that money because yeah, now you're going to be in a different tax bracket. Yeah. It'll, it's nothing more. I remember how Rush used to use the term slush fund. It just becomes – it gets right back into their coffers no, one way or another. Because I can't say it, did, it didn't – it doesn't it, – it sounds, you know, glorifying Tempting. to make extra money. But yeah, in in reality, you're not, and you're taking the chance. Of course, what you've been saying. And the um, worst, what are you bringing in? Yeah, and and the worst part here's Pat. Try this on for size, right? Try this on for size. Would you? How would you be taxed? Because we know that you would be taxed probably like a hotel gets taxed, not like a private citizen, right? Well. Well, this that is a I don't housing know because tax. I'm not a business owner by any right. means. Well, so. yeah, you're not a business owner, but the moment that you take in a migrant, do you do? They, yes, they... Now I am a business. Yeah. Exactly, you're a business. You're you're in the housing department. Well, I have rented in the past and okay. you know, I have multiple apartments, and I don't recall. You know, yeah, you had to pay your your property taxes. Nobody right. else, you had to pay taxes on the income. It wasn't that I was taxed. But would it change? Hold on. Here's the thing. Your private home now being paid to house migrants in the home, wouldn't it change the tax status of your home? I, I guess it would. Yes, it would. You know, yeah. And also it, would, <laughs> might even, it might also even lower the housing, uh, the value of my house if I start bringing certain, you know. Other neighbors might not like it. Let's put There's it that, that mitigating factor, too. Like I said, and again, like I said, I know my audience too well. You guys are too smart. You're too smart. I knew this would, again, it, it, it begs the question, what risk? There are so many risks attached to this idea, which, again, is the reason why I don't trust government. And I don't want to say I'm not one of those guys, you know, with, you know doing the, the doomsday prepping. I'm just saying bureaucrats do what bureaucrats do, and that's make a mess of it. For you, not for themselves. No, <laughs> Their I job is to enrich that, themselves. Yeah. No, no. I appreciate your time. It was just something I didn't hear as of yet, and I was just no, no, no. I, mm-hmm. To Pat, believe it or not, we were waiting on you. <laughs> oh well, you found me. All right. No, no, no. No, I'm no. I'm saying I was waiting for you because I knew that that question would come. So I appreciate you. Is what I'm saying. Not blaming you. I'm no, appreciating I, I, you for I did calling. I understand that. Yes. All right, Rich. You have a good evening. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You too. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's a, it, listen, it's a valid, it's a, it, again, there are so many things that go with this. And I think, because I, again, I said it before, I looked it up. I wanted to make sure I looked everywhere I could. This was June when Eric Adams 
proposed this idea. And I never heard another story about it. I covered the news daily. And I didn't hear any follow-ups. I didn't hear about any families taking them up on the offer. The story kind of just went away. I didn't. Not even a reporter has followed up on it. Um, and as I looked up the story, you know, I'm typing in. It's like, did anyone take up Eric Adams on his offer? How many families are taking in migrants into their homes? Nothing. Every story that came up was the story in June where he had offered it. But then you hear the story about Massachusetts, and they're going, oh, you want to take people? Sure. Roxbury is a, an, an African-American community, as is Dorchester. You guys have got to know now. Roxbury, famous for uh, <clears throat> the only boy band I can appreciate. <laughs> New edition. <laughs> um, Roxbury and Dorchester is a minority community, African-American community. And people in, in Roxbury and Dorchester are outraged that their uh, facilities, uh, their community centers, are being inundated with illegals. That's who's get, They're getting them, putting them in those communities. They damn sure aren't putting them in the nice neighborhoods. Why would they? It's the same thing in Chicago. They're putting them in the black and brown communities. Inundating them, closing down their community centers for housing. So they're running out of ideas. They need, they need new ideas. And this is one of them. And trust me when I tell you I already knew what the answer was. Most people would say no. Most people have to say no. Don't give these people an out. They're doing more and more every day to bring more of them in here. Don't think that they care that Americans have decided that enough is enough. They don't think enough is enough. They don't think they have enough. I'll explain what that means when we get back. I'll explain exactly what that means, what the real deal is. It's not just voting. It's bigger than that. And it's uglier and, much, and far more nefarious. But I suspect you already know. We'll take a break. We'll come back. More news, more views, your phone calls as well. I'm going to celebrate my wife's wedding anniversary because it's not mine. <laughs> and we'll get into what would you let AI do? Again, what would you let a robot or artificial intelligent uh, being or thing do? What are you willing to to go to bat and uh, allow a robot to do. We'll talk about that and much, much more. I'm Reese on the radio. This is News Radio 930 WBEN filling in for Bowerly. We'll be back after the top of the hour news. Holler. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Good job, Tanner. New edition in the bumper rotation. It's Reese on the radio filling in for Bowerly only for a little while because we got some good news, uh, faithful. Bowerly is coming in in the next 20 minutes or so. So uh, boss man will be back. So Bowerly will be here for the rest of the show. And I appreciate filling in for him. And I appreciate the opportunity uh, as always. I'll get to Mark in West Hartford in a second. Uh, my good friend out here. That's one of my favorite things about being uh, in talk radio. I've, I've, I've gotten so many friends out of being in this medium, and they, they are all now a part of 
uh, I guess, my space or in this medium. They're they're all doing their own thing, and uh, they make what I do worth it even more. But I want to make a mention before we get out of here. Two very important things on a personal note. One, I want to wish my wife a happy anniversary. It is our one-year anniversary tomorrow. Um, she decided that uh, we weren't going to have a big wedding, so we did it over by this pier in this park, and she put it together in two weeks, and we got married, and it is the best marriage I've ever been a part of for the first year. <laughs> I've had a few. Um, so I'll do something. Uh, we're figuring what we're going to do tomorrow. I've got to help out my mother-in-law tomorrow, and then we'll do something for Valentine's Day slash a wedding anniversary. She was smart enough to put it on this day so I wouldn't forget it. Not that I forget things, but, you know, she she does things like that. That's just the way she sort of rounds me. A second thing I want to mention, are you familiar with the woman named Elsa Kurt? If you're not, look her up on Facebook. I've seen people do impressions of presidents since I was a child, I've always loved it. The guy who used to do George W. Bush was great. There was a guy who did Ronald Reagan I thought was great. Rich Little used to do a great Ronald Reagan when I was a kid. For those of you old enough to remember the impressionist Rich Little. Um, so impressions are something that I like. And when they're political impressions, they're great. We haven't had that in a while, but now comes a different era where... An actual vice president has an impersonator. We had Tina Fey with Sarah Palin. But now we have actually someone who's a sitting vice president. And Elsa Kurt is the foremost, foremost <laughs> Kamala Harris uh, impersonator. She did this promo for me when I heard her do the impression. You tell me what you think. It is your girl, Cammie. <laughs> want you to know that when I listen to the radio, okay, I listen to Reese on the radio because it is a radio and Reese is on it. Okay. <laughs> it's really, really creepy. <laughs> she's got a great article about her in the Gateway Pundit about the, um, she's doing this bit where it's every Kamala Harris press conference she's ever done this is really funny so she's getting a lot of national attention and her story is great i've interviewed her as well um you know police wife uh you know of course very pro law enforcement and she has her own podcast but look her up elsa kurt uh, is her name and you can look her up. she does a great great job with that now to the phones before we get out of here, uh, 803 0930-800-616-WBEN. Let's go to Mark in West Hartford. What's up, Marky Mark? Hey, Brother Reese, I, I didn't get the spelling of Kurt. How do you spell her last K -U -R -T, name? K-U-R-T, like Cobain. Easy enough. Ah, I got it. Easy enough. <laughs> so listen, I want to piggyback off your, loss, your, your last first-time caller. And <laughs> you guys discussed uh, the monies. Yeah, that might be passing back and forth, you know, if, uh, if people are going to foster refugee families. Well, check this out. Something I never even knew existed. My mother-in-law, who is not healthy, moved in with us about seven years ago. I modified the house so she could move in, and we've been taking care of her. Okay. Um, you know, I don't collect a penny from her, but things are getting hairy. She's had a couple hospital stays, and now she needs 24-7 care. Wow. So that leads one of us to have to be here all the time. So mm -hmm. as the advice of an elder attorney, 
and uh, my own accountant, uh, they said, we got to look into this program where the feds actually pay the caregivers money to stay at home and take care of loved ones. Okay. Sounds great. And I started looking into it. Well, now in this process, I found out I've got to go through a third party that oversees the monies. The, the go- so the government's going to give this third party company money to pay me. I'm actually going to be an employee of a company Holy moly. the care of my mother-in-law. And, and check this out. Some of them actually advertise we pay the most. To, so, so as soon as I saw one of those, we pay the most uh, to the caregiver and blah, blah, blah. I was going, so I just got into this reach. When I get to the bottom of it, I'm going to tell you all about it. But That's a I'm huge, listen to me. And Mark in West Hartford, you can follow him on on Twitter or X, as it were. Very investigative. This guy started up doing this stuff locally, and he has been covering, like, breaking news. He's a citizen journalist, man, and the stuff that he's been able to uncover and get to the bottom of has been amazing. So try find him if you can and watch some and, and read some of the stuff he posts on X. Uh, it's great well, stuff. You. But yeah, Thank you. I appreciate the, that. And that's yeah, a, and it's I, an I interesting. I want to walk through. A- yeah, I'm going to walk. My intent now is to actually walk through others that are going through this. You know, it's yeah. not a money grab on our part, but, you know, it really is taxing on my financial situation. You know, I'm on a fixed income. I'm a retired firefighter. Right. And, and it just to a point where it's almost unaffordable. And we don't want to put her anywhere and right. give her into the hands of somebody else. So we're And I think that was what, what Pat and I were discussing is, look, that, you know, the government finds a way to get their cut. There's no way that that money's just flowing yeah. freely to the citizen. You're going to get ta- – yeah, well, guess what? I'm going to be taxed because that's yeah. part of it. I already looked into it. I'm going to literally be an employee. So I'm yeah. going to pay taxes I can't believe the that they use that, that language. That's the part that – like- And then the third – and then the third – and then that third, that, that third party is also going to pay taxes yep. for running the, and managing this, this money. Yeah, that, the it, government's going to get theirs, I'm like – and you know what? It reminds me of, and I looked into it, and for those people, like, you, we all hear about addiction. One of the ugliest things in this country, and it's all over, they're called sober houses. The government pays people who are supposed to be in charge, so they pick up little ranches, little capes, oh, sometimes two right, families. Right, right. They crowd them up with poor kids that are addicted and men and women, and they're supposed to have a sober house manager. And the money's flow, and there's nobody keeping an eye on them. Sometimes the sober managers are actually selling drugs in there because it's just. I've whole, heard that. This kind of not on that level, but this is it's kind of ugly like that. Like it's nickel and dime stuff, money. but it's still it, it's still detrimental to the whole operation, as it were. Mark, let me let you go because I got I've got another caller that I got to take before I get out of here. But Great thank you job. as always, Great sir. Great job, Reece. Thank, thank you, man. You. I was I appreciate your support. And lobster is not out of the question for the wife, by the way. <laughs> Let's go to Fred in Lancaster. Hello, Fred. You're on Reese on the radio. Yeah, good show. A uh, couple things that are out there: actions speak louder than words, and yep. don't talk about it, be about it. Now, with That's that right. in mind, everyone that had a Biden sign. On their on their thing and are gonna on their lawn and are gonna put one on this year, should have a welcome illegal immigrant sign, <laughs> and they should be the ones that take them in. You got to put it's, your money where your mouth is. In and, fact, I would say that's what Harris and Biden should have on their placards 
that everyone has. It should say Harris. It should say Biden Harris. Welcome to America. That's <laughs> well, and the people that support him that are going to put signs out there should have the 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 obligation and responsibility to um, take care of this problem that that they that they voted in. Yeah, I don't think. But you know, what is the interesting part though, Fred? Out of it, it should be Fred. The truth, them doing listen, it for for the love of it. Fred, truth be told, I will give the communities in New York and in Chicago in particular. I may not agree with everything that they're saying in Chicago, but there's one point that I can sort of level with them on. The people in Chicago are openly, I talked earlier about Rachel Dolezal and accountability. The citizens of Chicago are so accountable. They're going on Fox News and admitting openly they made a bad choice. They've got buyer's remorse in voting for Joe Biden after what he's done to their city. They are openly taking accountability and saying, not only are we not going to take this anymore, but when they bring their convention to Chicago, they're not going to like what they see. Unfortunately, though, these people, they'll say that, they'll talk a good fight, then they'll go in and go, oh, my God, I can't vote for a Republican. I, You know, Fred, Fred, they, you, should, Fred you should listen to my podcast. Vote. I say this all the time. You you got to put up a shut up. I, I told this say this to the black community all the time. You got to put up a shut up. All of this 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 blustering about how upset you are, and then election day comes on and you decide to stay home because how you know I would never vote for a Republican. Staying home is voting for more of the same. Yes, it is. I mean, that's what Democrats Democrats see, and clearly with the effort to bring these people in, what have the Democrats said? And even Barack Obama privately said this, and I know this because I have, I have some insight on it. He said when he thought he was losing black support, he openly said, huh, yeah, what are they going to do, vote for Republicans? We're good. That was his response. Unfortunately, the only reason we're having this conversation is because Republican governors decided to send illegals up up through the to the states. That's where- right. They're voting for the policies. That's the only reason we're talking about it. If they yep. didn't do that, it would st- it would be not talked about. You got to give a. You know what? You can say as much as you want about Governor Abbott, as much as you want about Ron DeSantis, uh, on a personal level or whatever the case may be. These guys are, are right now responsible for turning the tide on an immigration problem that was three years, if not longer, uh, uh, running people down or, or states into a hole. And these guys have now turned the tide where people are now saying, wow, Donald Trump was right. How crazy is that? Uh, well, and I, you got to give them credit people for People realize it in the voting booth. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, sir. Uh, I appreciate you, to. Fred. Thank you so yep. much for the call. Uh, yeah, let's take one more before we get out of here. Since you're calling, and I appreciate your phone calls, 800-616-WBEN. Let's go to Dale, who's in Cheektowaga. Hello, Dale. You want Maurice on the radio? In for Bowerly. Uh, yes. Um, I was listening this afternoon, and, you know, kind of got me riled because, um, you know, what's going on, if we don't get it together, I mean, people as a whole, we're going to lose this country, I believe. I mean, you have the uh, asylums. They're, they're uh, treated better than the uh, veterans that are virgin losing their homes, their apartments, and they're becoming homeless left and right. And then people are not paying attention. But, you know, you do have to look at this, Dale. And, and I say this often. Uh, 
I've been all over the country. I've done radio all over the country, and I've, I've been a guest on plenty of programs. And I do say this to people like yourself who righteously are concerned about the state of our union. And I would never dismiss that because your your feelings about this country and the things that you're seeing are, are palpable to others as well. I mean, they're, they exist. But let me tell you this. Do not fret. There are Americans here who will not let this and cannot let this stand because they have a stake in all of this. They have family members. They have children, if not grandchildren. They are not sitting idly by. You hear Donald Trump talk about the silent majority, right, or the silent minority, they say for liberals, but the silent. They are silent. Trust me, they don't need to be out, you know, uh, uh, waving flags or screaming at the sun. They know what's going on, and they are working. And I trust you, I've met plenty of them across the country. They are working diligently to save the thing that saves the world. Believe it or not, America saves the world. We take immigrants in, legal immigrants in, more illegal immigrants into this country than any along, other country combined. Combined. Along with the proper process. So yes. No yeah, yeah, but we, we take in more in. legally. We take in more legally who follow our rules than any other That's country right. combined. And there's a reason for that. Because those people, as the saying goes, are yearning to be free as well. Not yearning to get stuff for free. That's right. Because okay. we all went through it. The Irish, the Italians, the Germans, we all went through it. So don't right? don't fret. It looks daunting. It looks scary, and sometimes it is. But we have to take that into consideration and say, what are we going to do? And everybody can do their part just a little bit. And that is, That's you know, right. if you if you want to you want to vote, then vote. If you want to call somebody, call somebody. How long can we do that, though? You know, print money and sending overseas for the Ukrainians and all that kind of thing. How long? I don't know, but again, that's the reason why, you know, as they say every four years, this this election is the most important election of our lives, and the citizens of this great country get the government that they deserve and the government that they vote for. And let's just hope people see it for what it is, and they people fight. People died for this country. Yeah, indeed. I want to thank you, Dale. I appreciate you being my last caller, man, and I hope I've given you some sense of hope. As uh, I think it was, um, and I'm going to remember her name, forgive me, uh, Sue. I wish you are back on again. I will try my best to be back as soon as they ask me. I am here. Thank you. Yeah, like Sue said, I hope we don't lose hope. Trust me, Sue, we are not losing hope. Thank you, Dale. I appreciate the call. Um, uh, Somebody wrote in the chat room, how cool is it to see you while you do the show? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, And and see, I, I just, this is. If I sound like someone who's happy to be here, it's because I am. <laughs> I, I don't care what the subject is or what's going on in the world. It can sound, you know, uh, it, some of the craziest stuff that we have to deal with on a regular basis. I'm always happy to be here. Uh, and it is primarily because of you. Uh, you are you are radio. Um, uh, I wouldn't be here without you. And the folks, the good folks here at WBEN wouldn't have me on if you didn't say the kind things that you say about me and i've heard i've heard from some of you um and some of you who have followed me on facebook and 
and Twitter and all those places who have shown me um, your consideration uh, and have listened to my show and listened to the podcast. I see you out there uh, in Lancaster. I really, really appreciate you uh, for being a part of uh, my journey uh, in this medium. So as I always say, radio is free, so we thank you for paying attention. Remember to keep JC in your hearts and in your minds. Sean Patrick, we love you and we miss you. Remember that panic is not planning, so plan your work and work your plan. Me, I'm Reese on the radio. You have a good night and a pleasant tomorrow. When we come back, Bowerly returns. Hey, Bowerly, thank you for letting me sit in. All right, you guys be good. Check me out, ReeseOnTheRadio.com. Holler. All right, welcome, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. The uh, best part of my day so far was uh, was finding out that Reese uh, enjoys my Zeppelin intro music uh, to every hour of the program. Uh, thanks, Reese, for uh, sitting in for me. Had some things that needed to be tended to, and they were tended to uh, with great glee and gusto. Anyway, uh, great to be here uh, here with you until six o'clock. Obviously, Alan Harris has a handle on traffic for you on News Radio 930 WBEN and so many things into which uh, we can dive together. And uh, one of the things that I personally believe would be interesting, and I alluded to this last week. Um, now, the overall topic is, okay, the overall topic is the things that you found at your parents' or grandparents' house that shocked you. It might have even disturbed you. It might have made you happy. The unexpected finds at your parents' or grandparents' house, and you wish you had held on to what? Is there something that you threw out in haste because everybody wants to get the stuff in the dumpster and get it out of there when the conclusion of life at one home ends and the beginning of life at another place begins? Uh, everybody wants to get that stuff out of there. Uh, but And there are people who have a very good business helping you get stuff out of the house. But uh, I, I want to share with you one of the... Uh, one of the things is, uh, as you guys know, I've been uh, uh, spending a lot of time with my uh, with my mother, and uh, I know it might sound very strange to be a 60-year-old man saying, "Yes, I live with my mommy." I kind of feel like Joker in the in the movie, but uh, it it's been uh, it's been extremely uh, rewarding and uh, and pleasant. And one of the things that uh, we have done together is we've gone through some old. Uh, childhood stuff. And I am so blown away by a couple of things that I found. And this is going to tie into the topic. But I did mention something last week about old poems that had been written by local students. And there was a, uh, a compilation of, uh, and who doesn't like compilations? Uh, there it was a uh, compilation of poems from 1939 uh, that were put out by the Kenmore Public Schools, June 1939. And I want to uh, share just a couple of the poems from 1939. Uh, and this is, of course, as war, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, now, th this was as war was looming in Europe and had already taken part in the uh, Chinese mainland when the Japanese invaded Manchuria. See, to 
most of us in this part of the world, the Second World War began when the Nazis invaded Poland on the 1st of September 1939 after a series of uh, events which saw them gobble up Czechoslovakia while the world tried to avert its eyes and thought that the bad man would go away, but he didn't go away. But uh, World War II actually began uh, when the Japanese invaded Manchuria. Uh, the Rape of Nanking. I'm sure you've heard about that very famous uh, photograph of a baby uh, badly wounded, crying amidst the wreckage. And it's just a, a heartbreaking photograph. And it was a heartbreaking time in the history of uh, the world. But uh, one of the young poets um, in the anthology here from Kenmore Public Schools, 1939, War was the title of the poem. The Tanks, the Soldiers Marching By. The sad and long, loud battle cry, God hath not slept, nor shall he fail. With God to fight, peace shall prevail. We shall fight sin and wrong and hate, and keep on until they meet their fate. With God to fight, we cannot fail. So I repeat, may peace prevail. A couple of things are very striking about that. Number one, this was written in 1939 by a young man who was 10 years old. And I wonder if that young man is still with us or has family members uh, who might be listening to the show. Jimmy Anderson, who was in grade five in Kenmore schools back in 1939. And a very interesting poem about war. Uh, There is another one. Again, this is from 1939 uh, that it... it, uh, and the oh, the reference to uh, to God, uh, I thought was very interesting. I don't think you could, I don't think you could get away with that today. I really don't. Um, another one again from the poem anthology of 1939 is called "War, War, the Horrible Monster, War, the Terrible Butcher." It ruins the civilization for people of the future. In China, France, and Africa, this plague was carried on. Billions of dollars were wasted, and no good was ever done. Brothers shooting brothers, fathers shooting sons, thousands of people were killed by the bullets of smoking guns. And uh, that was written by a 13-year-old boy, grade 8, by the name of Hugh Bell. Hugh Bell. And uh, one more I will share with you from 1939, uh, anthology of poems uh, that uh, was at my mom's house. To those behind the front, can you see those men lying there and yet on war look so indifferently? And can you enter other wars yet other nations blame? And can you stand and watch these men brought in on stretchers one by one, all maimed and broken and bloody, and shout, Hurrah! We've won! How would you like to be in a trench, so rotten, so dirty, so cold, and yet you probably say, Keep going, men, and be bold. We admit we've lost several thousand men, but this is only for the best. We've got to prove that democracies will outlive all the rest. What if we do lose a few thousand men? More will grow up again. And just think how peaceful the world will be when there's nobody left but you and me. (laughs) 1939, ladies and gentlemen, a senior, a grade 12 young lady by the name of 
Irene Lehman, L-E-H-M-A-N, 17 years old when she wrote that poem. Again, 1939. Now, why am I doing this? It will all become crystal clear and apparent as we move on with uh, this particular topic. And then what I also did is uh, found a book at Mom's House, again, published by the Kenmore Public Schools, but this time in 1947 which was two years after the end of the Second World War. And uh, here is a poem that caught my attention by, well, I'll tell you by whom in just a moment, but it's called The Forest Army. The forest is like a mighty army, protecting hundreds of people. The squirrel is the watchman looking down from his steeple. The woodpeckers operate the telegraph. The porcupines each have a gun. The skunks are the infantrymen. They make the enemy run. The bees are the bombers. The leaves, the booby traps. The rabbits use walkie-talkies. The sparrows make the maps. Hummingbirds operate helicopters. The moles are the underground. The caterpillars make camouflage without a single sound. (laughs) 1947. And that was written by Barbara Churlett. Uh, I'm sorry, Barbara Churls, grade five, C Z U R L E S. I wonder if any of these people are still with us. I wonder if any of these people have relatives who are still with us. And it seems only fair that I cap off this segment of the show. And I promised you last week that I would do this. Um, Again, another poem from 1947 from the Kenmore Public Schools. I will give you the author's name momentarily, but this was two years after the end of World War II, and it's called A Vet. This veteran could have been any Joe who had lost an arm or a leg at a blow and afraid to go home to his town and face his family for fear he would seem a disgrace, but this was childish as he could see, so he came over to have a talk with me. Maybe it was the youth in his face I enjoyed, or the way he seemed so awfully annoyed at the world and the war that had taken his limb, and the life ahead that looked so dim. I wanted to help him with all my heart to go back to the home of which he was a part, so in silence I prayed that God would make him strong to travel the road that seemed so long Miracles happen almost every day, and it seemed that today was meant to be gay. Yes, God gave him the strength to defeat the wrong and started him out on the road so long. This could have been any guy you know, a Bill, a Jim, a Jack, or your Joe. And that was written by Jane Martin, grade 10, M-A-R-T-Y-N. And it is... Um, and I, I know that some of you listening to this show, because we have many people in this audience for whatever reason, who are fascinated all these years later by the Second World War. Some of you lost close relatives in the Second World War. I mentioned this before, but uh, Gina Latuka with the SPCA serving Erie County um, never had a chance to meet her grandfather, Richard Sansoni of Buffalo, because he was killed when the Germans torpedoed the SS Leopoldville on Christmas Eve in 1944. And his daughter would become Joanne Browning, Gina's mom. 
and one of the great honors of my life was putting together a commemorative box for Richard Sansoni along with uh, Gina Latuka, and um, it was just a very touching moment. And Mike Rosman, traffic reporter for the old radio station, um, Mike died, well, on duty in the helicopter reporting on traffic in Buffalo, New York, what a lot of people never knew about Mike, I knew about Mike, he never really knew his dad because Mike's dad was killed in Europe while fighting the Germans in the Second World War. So the legacy of the war continues to live on even today, and the horrors of it continue to live on today. And those poems, I think, are just absolutely stunning. Absolutely, magnificently stunning. Um, I hope that you enjoyed the poems I just read from 1939 and then from 1937. So just as war was looming on the horizon in the western part of the world and as it had wrapped up in 1947 around the world. And those young people were so incredibly well-spoken and so phenomenally talented. And they say often tragedy brings out the best in human artistic endeavors. And I think that, uh, especially in the second group I read following the war, that really manifested itself. And some very powerful words that you could put those up against Bob Dylan's Masters of War any day of the week. And the sentiment is the same. And the power is the same. And the, to think that those were written by, by, by children. And one of the things that you will notice as you read these books that were published, again, by the Kenmore Public Schools in 1939 and then again in 1947, there were many references to God, G-O-D, many references to God that I don't think you could get away with those references today if your school or your kid's school were to publish a anthology of poems of young people. And there were actually some specific references to Jesus in some of the poems that I did not read on the air, but I have read off the air. And the cultural changes from 1939 to 1947 through 2024 have been absolutely marked. So not only were these books a real eye-opening experience in terms of the brilliance of the young people who clearly were aware of the profound nature of the events going on around them and their parents and their brothers and their sisters. Um, It it was also amazing to see, and I I didn't share on the air any of these, but please take my word for it, to, to see and read the different attitudes society took about mentioning God in public and, my goodness, printing it in a school poetry anthology. And I I couldn't help but thinking as I read some of the poems, especially with the religious themes, even including Easter, you know, the resurrection, um, that today you simply couldn't do it. And any teacher, any English department that would put out a book of poems with such overt references to those religious figures would probably be banned. 
they would probably be socially isolated and probably would end up losing their job. There'd be a firestorm of controversy on social media, and they would be put out to pasture uh, despite the quality of the work done by the done by the young people. Um, I, I want to continue uh, with this, but I want to. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you some questions when we come back from the news. Um, number one, what have you found around your mom and dad's or around your grandparents' house that has made you say, "Whoa, that's pretty amazing"? And maybe there's something that you threw out. And I'm so glad that mom at 90 did not throw out these books because, again, the talent of the individual poets and poetesses um, was absolutely breathtaking. And the societal changes of what you can talk about and what you can't talk about also were just mesmerizing to me as an observer of the human condition. Uh, let, let me give you the phone number on WBEN, see if I can get some uh, some action on this. I think I should. Um, 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, and 1-800-616-WBEN. And I, I do wonder if any of the descendants of the young poets whose work I read just happen to be listening to the show. I I, I so wonder about that stuff. I'm your masters of war. <laughs> Here that build the big guns. Yeah, I'll tell you, Mr. Dillon. Here that build the Those uh, kids from 1939 and 1947, the Kenmore Public Schools poetry anthologies, could give you a run for your money. Although, Mr. Dillon, I must admit, your staying power is uh, pretty remarkable, as is your versatility. All right, Bowerly, what what did you find around your parents' house or your grandparents' house that you're so glad that, that, that they saved? And is there something that you threw out that you really regret having thrown out? I mean, you can't save everything. Or you, you're, imagine if everybody of every generation had saved everything in your family, even going back to the uh, 1500s. You'd run out of space. You'd be a hoarder. You'd be on TV. Uh, let's go to Mary in Attica on WBEN. And uh, Tanner, for some reason, uh, the computer is not letting me bring up Mary. And Mary's probably very, very dissatisfied <laughs> with my performance. Uh, Mary in Attica, you're on WBEN. Hello. Hello. You were asking about things that we might have found after our parents passed away. Yes. And I think this is very apropos since tomorrow's Valentine's Day. You have to understand my dad was, well, probably is a Marine. <laughs> I don't think a Marine ever is not a Marine. No, no. Once, once, was, you're in, once you're in, you are a Marine for life, as you, as you well know. And I did not serve, but uh, if, if I were to let that go unchecked, I would hear from every Marine veteran ever in the world. Well, he was a Marine up till the end, that's for sure. But, I mean, and he was a Marine. And when we went through his stuff... In the back of his desk were nine valentines. They were for his classmates when he was eight years old. No. No. Yes. I'm sorry. And I, I, I might have had a headphone issue. What years did your dad serve in the Marine Corps? Uh, during World War II. I don't know the exact dates. Wow! But I so know he the, got he got back home on um, 
1945, because I was born in 1946. <laughs> it would have been rather awkward had you been born in 1943. Is, uh, <laughs> yes. uh, but hey, you know what? There are stories like that out there. I've heard a few of them myself. Uh, things happen. Uh, but in, in your dad's case, what were there any remarkable Valentines from before your dad was uh, a member of the United States Marine Corps that just stood out in your mouth, in your mind? Anybody uh, make a prediction like, I predict you're going to be a tough, strong guy and you're going to probably be a Marine? No, I don't know that. But the Valentines are kind of cool. Um one says, "May I fire one across question? May, may, I'm sorry. May I fire one question at you? Will you be mine? Now you wouldn't have, and it's a, a fireman, but you wouldn't put that on anything about firing at a new one nowadays." Oh, you're. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Talk about again the way society has changed. And I, I mentioned earlier. I think the kids back then back in the 1930s and 40s, were smarter than we were, and I think we were smarter than our kids were. I think there's been a dumbing down of America. And I, does anybody else believe that? Because you, you read the, the poems uh, that I've read from just the Kenmore schools and just remarkable works of art. And the, the Valentine, as you pointed out, the societal change about firing a question at somebody, my goodness, if you were to write that today, they'd have you down with the guidance counselor and the police. Well, another one says, dainty and proper. Ask my popper. <laughs> <laughs> but but don't, and today it would be, don't you understand there are some children in this class, hold, uh, in this, uh, class who do not have fathers and you're being very unfair to them? He, you've thought about their feelings? <laughs> I mean, uh, do, you think, do you think that I'm way out of the in wet, uh, left field on this one or do you think there might be something to it? Oh, no, I think so, very much so. That's, uns- I, that's just one thing I'd rather not be right about if, in fact, I am. What what other Valentines to your future U.S. Marine dad did you come across? That, uh, do you have them right in front of you? Yes. Oh, how nice. Yeah, I've, I've framed them, and I get them out every Valentine's Day. Well, that is really something... Uh, it, I, I presume it was the from the time uh, on Valentine's Day when the classroom would exchange Valentines with each other. Oh yes, definitely. Um, and for some reason, your dad decided to uh, ho- hold on to his uh, Valentines, presumably from the nineteen uh, from the nineteen thirties. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, color me very, very impressed. That's all I can tell you. Very, very <laughs> impressed. Um, and uh, was there anything else that... We, uh, but we found a, diff- a, a different side of him that we didn't ever really see, probably. Really? Um, I wonder why your dad decided to keep them because your dad obviously had a very full and active life he produced a wonderful daughter named mary and no (laughs) doubt other fine offspring which were not nearly his favorite as you were the apple of his eye no doubt um (laughs) anything else you found that made you either recoil in terror my goodness it's a shrunken head or um (laughs) or anything like that the only 
thing that we have never figured out is he had a, a, a large box. His his mother had made it, and in it were all of the his re, things he had brought back from overseas and all that. He was over in occupied Japan. In fact, he flew over in Nagasaki after the brought by, uh, bombing. Mm. Um. Uh, nothing of any uh, souvenir value uh, attached to that? Um, well, we do have the envelope or the letter he so sent to my mother um, describing what he saw over Nagasaki. Oh, can, do you have is, that handy? No, I don't. I'm sorry. Oh, I wish you did because that there, there's something about reading firsthand accounts of historical events which brings them alive like just a mundane textbook cannot do. Um, if you listen to this program, you are aware that uh, every year I try to read um, at least some of a very lengthy letter written by a Civil War soldier to his brother about the Battle yeah. of Gettysburg. And it goes on and on and on, and it is so magnificent in its detail. And what is so remarkable about the letter is, despite its intricate de- detail, despite its almost minute-by-minute account of the battle, the writer himself says there is no way any one person can ever sum up what it was to be a part of the Battle of Gettysburg. It was just too big. It was too vast for any one person to keep track of. Unfortunately, the guy who unfortunately the guy who wrote the letter ended up dying uh, not very long after Gettysburg, uh, uh-huh. and would have been a tremendous uh, asset to any college or university or military training academy uh, in in the world. Um, th- those are some pretty awesome. Uh, was there any family infighting about who got to keep the stuff? No, we were we we got through it pretty good. <laughs> Well, that's my sister and I, but uh, yeah, we we did it without any hard feelings. I don't think. Well, okay, just one more question, and the question would be this: Um, Have you made provisions for who is going to get that invaluable history when you are no longer around? Because I hope it doesn't get thrown out. No, 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 no. We have two sons, and they're and they're. They know this, um, what they're going to get, and and you know what we want it done with it. So. Well, I am delighted to hear from you in Attica, uh, Mary. And by the way, you're welcome uh, for not having to rub the uh, the the stuff off of your furniture every day like you did a few years ago from that uh, never-ending plastic fire. You, you, you remember you remember that, right? Oh, in Attica. Yeah. Yeah, no, we were far enough away. <laughs> oh, okay, I was going to say, because if, if you don't remember that, I'm going to start thinking it might have affected your mind. Um, <laughs> uh, Mary, thank you kindly. I appreciate the call, Liv. Okay. Um, you know, and it's, it's interesting Mary should mention Valentine's, because one of the other things that uh, we located around my mother's place is this old pop-up valentine and it's kind of like a honeycomb pop-up 
and there's hearts galore. There's Cupid wearing, uh, of course, the appropriate place to, appropriately placed the sash around the uh, naughty bits, uh, carrying a heart over his shoulder. And the Valentine's message reads, My Valentine, with charms so sweet, I lay this offering at your feet. Um, and it folds right back up. It's amazing. Old Valentines. You know, do you, do you wish that you kept those Valentines that uh, were distributed in your classroom every February 14th? Never forget kindergarten because all day long was looking forward to the box of Valentines that I'd brought in and getting all these Valentines. And uh, mom walked into the room at that exact moment and announced that my uh, grandfather had died. And, uh, yeah, my grandfather died on the anniversary of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, uh, February 14th of 1969. Um, and it's just uh, sometimes amazing for me to uh, to think about that. Uh, let's go to Diane and Clarence on WBEN. Diane, uh, welcome to the program. Good to have you with us. Hi, Tom. I just wanted to say that my dad was a little spitfire. He was very sneaky when he was when he was alive. He died at 93, and I found a little tiny container with a tablespoon of my dog's ashes that had been in a bigger container in my house. And I don't know how we ever got a tablespoon of the ashes out. And he had it labeled the dog was a Shih Tzu, so it didn't have much ashes. But I was under the impression I had an intact dog the whole time, and he had a tablespoon of the ashes because the dog used to spend a lot of time with him as well. So he must have thought he needed his ups and took some of his ashes. <laughs> so that was quite the surprise to find out a little bit of my dog's ashes were somewhere else. <laughs> um, okay. A uh, couple of ways of viewing this, my love. Number one, that your dog and you had been violated uh, the other way to look at it, the positive thing is your dad was absolutely in love with your Shih Tzu and maybe didn't want to let on how emotionally distraught he was over the fact that the dog had to be euthanized eventually. Oh, no, but he, he was never clandestine about how much he loved the dog. In fact, he used to cook the dog a full breakfast when I would come over there with my dog, and it would be even the coffee in the little water bowl part. <laughs> he put coffee for him. So he had bacon and eggs and toast and coffee, and the dog would eat it. And, you know, so he, he really, the dog was his dog as well, but I never realized how much it meant to him when the dog passed, you know. And the dog was 17 when he died. We had to euthanize him, and we had to put him to sleep because he had a stroke. And he had a stroke at my dad's house. So, you know, the whole process was part of him. So, but like I said, when we broke up that house and we found this little tiny vial and it was like a little sticky on it and it said, Miyagi's ashes. Your Shih Tzu was named Miyagi, as in Mr. Miyagi? Yes. Yes. My kids, <laughs> my kids, my kids, because they looked at his face and they said he looked like Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid. <laughs> You know what? I get that a lot myself. Um, but <laughs> uh, thank you, Asian genes. Um, anyway, uh, that that's a really rem- what what did you do with the the little thimble full of remains in in the tube? What did you eventually well, uh, decide back. to do with I poured them? Poured it back. I poured it back with all the rest of the ashes. <laughs> oh my goodness! And I'm well, a Catholic, hey. so it's like it's like I should have been.
buried them because, you know, Catholics they have this thing about you bury ashes. You don't just save them. But I didn't think it really mattered to be like with an animal, you know, because animal, they say animals don't have souls and they don't go to heaven. And, you know, I teach school. So whenever a pet dies, I tell my students because they're kind of sad. I say, um, you know, there's a little angel now in heaven that just received a new pet. Well, and be so careful. they, they kind of. No, I teach in Catholic school. Oh, I was going to say because th- that might be a uh, an actionable offense in public schools no, in 2024. No, we, How we dare you God, mention God. God? No, we could say God, God, God all day. In fact, tomorrow. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Although under under Pope Francis, that might change. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> well, and oh. we have nuns walking around all day too, saying God, God, God. <laughs> My goodness. Well, uh, thank you kindly. I appreciate the call, and I love the story oh, about your dad. You. And you know what? You made my day by saying my love. I like that. You never called me that before. I've called you a couple times, but you never called oh. me that before. I well, like I, 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 it means our relationship has advanced to a new plane and a new level. Yeah, but then you had to get married. I know. <laughs> These things happen. Thank you very much, Diane. I appreciate thank it. You. Well, All look, right. I mean, as far as the whole my love thing, I try not to overdo it, but... Um, and like I say, I, I say this probably once a day, certainly several times a week. Um, after all these years of you and I together on the radio, the best way to look at this is we are in a relationship. Um, you might be a man. You might be a woman. Doesn't matter. Um, we are in a relationship. That does not ne- does not necessarily uh, mean anything uh, of a physical nature, but certainly it's a relationship nonetheless, and I think when you view it in that context, at least when I view it in that context, um, it, it brings a different dimension and meaning to what I do for a living. I don't know if that makes any sense to you or if that just seems like cornball stuff, but uh, seriously, I mean, I don't say stuff I don't mean. Why would I do that? So I, I enjoy our relationship. Most days, most days, there's some days we have a little struggle, but what relationship doesn't, huh? I ask you. All right. Hello, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Thanks to Reese for uh, sitting in for me the first couple of hours today. Had something needed to be t- needed to be took care of, <laughs> like my English, for example. Uh, and uh, thanks to Reese for uh, doing a commendable job. It, it's I'll tell you one thing. Um, I think Reese would back me up on this. It is one of the hardest things in the world to come in and do somebody else's show. Joe Beamer, he's mastered the art, but I have been asked to do shows in other major cities. And even though it would be, wow, so good for exposure, um, I never say, I've only said one, uh, I've only said um, yes on one occasion. Um, and I vowed after that I would never do it again. It's just too tough sitting in on somebody else's show, at least for me, because uh, I'm not that good. But uh, Reese, he's also mastered the art and uh, great listening to uh, Reese. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Ten minutes after five at News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, thank you for the calls about, uh, <laughs> about the uh, things that you found around the house, uh, either your parents' house or your grandparents' houses. Uh, always a surprise, and you know um, how do I how do I put this delicately? I, I'm sure that there have been some very, uh, shall we say, awkward surprises when you have uh, been cleaning out grandma and grandpa's house or mom and dad's house, um, and it, once you see something, you can't unsee it. 
<laughs> Once you see it, you simply cannot unsee it. And everybody, in, in, in okay, everybody listening to me right now, okay, we're, most of us are adults, and don't worry because I will phrase this in a uh, in, in a fashion so as not to be gratuitously offensive or divulging any adult details to the younger folk. How is that for beating around the bush? Circumlocution at its finest, but. Every one of you listening, especially to my show, um, you should have a person where the minute they find out you are no more, they have one task and one task only, to go to your home or your apartment and remove all of the things you don't want your children or your parents, God forbid, to see. Their job is to remove and destroy all electronics and when I say electronics, let's use that in a very general sense. Even the battery-operated ones, yep, they they gotta go. They 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 gotta go. They, you gotta take. You need a friend in your life who will take care of that, because I'm sure listening right now, there is somebody saying, "Tom, were you at my parents' house when I had to go over there and clean it out, and I found that giant?" No, I wasn't, but uh, it's it's human stuff, and uh, you just gotta just gotta deal with it. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) my goodness, you know there there are some stories that I I could tell, but uh, today just isn't today just isn't the day to tell them, and it does not involve my family whatsoever, but it involves people I know who let's just say um, let's just say. Uh, they found a certain list of certain um, individuals and their predilections and experiences with those individuals which didn't make the man left behind feel very good about what he thought was a sound marriage. Oh, that can be very hurtful. So anyway... There's a show in there. I just don't feel like doing it today because, I mean, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, kids. We got to keep this on a. We have to keep this on a good plane. Uh, high moral ground. Uh, my my middle name, of course. High moral ground. Anyway, uh, good to be with you. I, I hope that you enjoyed the uh, first part of uh, the program. <laughs> yeah, Tom, we really liked it when you weren't here and Reese was. <laughs> so, I didn't mean that part. I meant the four o'clock hour when I came in. Um, but the. Uh, poems that I read from the Kenmore Public Schools from 1939 and 1947. And frankly, I hope that I hope I get an email from somebody tonight saying, I can't believe you read my mom's poem. I can't believe that you have a copy of my great aunt's poem from way back when. I would that would make my whole day, especially if it was true. Uh, It really it really would, because whenever I like okay if you and your family have lived in buffalo and western new york for a long time you have accumulated stuff from buffalo and western new york that uh, has names on it and i happen to have obviously a, a microphone and this is my social media and you might have your x account you might have your <laughs> triple x account you might have your x hamster account uh but no you might you might have your uh um, account uh, to put out names, and isn't it amazing that you might post a picture from some piece of Buffalo history seventy years ago, and you put it up on social media, and you get a private message from somebody saying that is my dad 
could I please get a copy of that? I'm sure it happens all the time. It has to happen all the time uh, because this is Buffalo, the world's the world's uh, biggest living room, as you well know. Now, I, I want to I'm, I'm going to do a topic here that kind of ties into the first topic that I brought up about stuff that you found around your parent or, or grandparents house um, that made you think and you're really grateful that you found it. Um, and in my case, it was these these two books of poems written by kids in 1939 and 1947. But there's another topic that I kind of mentioned, how 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 be it fleetingly, that I, I want to talk about. And I hope you do too, because when you call in, it makes my job a whole lot easier. I'll tell you that much. And I like easy. I mean, I'm sorry, but you think I, you think I really want to work for a living? If I wanted that, I'd be a banker. Um, so do you believe that my premise is correct, that we are dumber as a people than the generations before us? Because reading the, the poems that I read, and there, there were poems that I did not read that are really incredible pieces of linguistic art. Um, do you believe that there is actually a dumbing down in America do you believe that it is a deliberate dumbing down of America? And I have to ask that question because President Reagan had a director of CIA by the name of William Casey. And he very infamously said at a cabinet meeting where President Reagan wanted to know <clears throat> who was doing what and where they were doing it, we'll know our disinformation campaign has been effective when everything the American people believe is a lie. And I thought it offered tremendous insight, <coughs> excuse me, into uh, certain members of the deep state and the intelligence community and the way in which they view the American people and kind of made me feel like a gerbil running around or a hamster on a, on a wheel running around, being observed by powers greater than myself. Um, it didn't give me a real good feeling, frankly, about the United States when director of CIA says hey, we'll know we've we'll we'll know that we've been successful when everything uh, our disinformation campaign we'll know that our disinformation campaign has been successful when everything the American people believes is a lie, and that that says a lot right there. Um, but do you believe that we are dumbing down as a nation? And I must tell you, I believe we are. And I think you can actually generationally uh, trace back how much dumber we are as a, as a people. For example, you might remember a conversation with your grandfather in which your grandfather, even though he might have been a Dem D's and Dozer, not that there's anything wrong with a Dem D's and Dozer, working blue-collar jobs in Buffalo, uh, men and women that... Today, they'd be considered geniuses. Back in the day, they were just the guy polishing the wrenches at J.H. Williams, and nobody paid them much heed, which is really unfortunate. I don't like academic snobbery um, because show, show me – I don't care if you've written a 500-page book on deciphering the hieroglyphics. Can you build a house? Can you provide shelter for your family? I think those are the real important life skills that I personally don't have. But uh, I do believe that we are dumbing down as a nation. Is it intentional? Well, that quote from former CIA director William Casey makes me 
kind of believe that it is actually intentional, that those in power do not want a smart population that actually asks questions. Questions like, hey, how come our southern border is basically a free-for-all and open for anybody who wants to come in? Who benefits? Who makes money off of it? How do they benefit politically and power-wise? Because as somebody who actually was a left-winger, and folks, right-wing or left-wing, I love people who make great points. I don't care if you're a raving socialist. If you make a great point, not that it matters because you don't need my validation, but if you make a great point, I'm going to applaud you. And there was a very famous leftist, whose name I've forgotten, um, who once said something that I've never forgotten, and it's never let me down. Whenever you see a situation you do not understand, look at the financial interest. Whenever you see a situation you do not understand, look at the financial interest. And the resulting changes of this influx, this tidal wave of illegal invaders into the United States is going to have, I'm afraid, catastrophic consequences for the United States. First of all, with robots and artificial intelligence entering our society at an ever-increasing rate, where are people going to work who might not have that Yale diploma? They were never members of Skull and Bones. Where are they going to work? Um, they're not going to really have many options. Think about that for a moment. Somebody once said in the uh, labor movement, when given a tour of the modern, this, and when I say modern, I'm talking about 1950s, 1940s, uh, modern efficiency through mechanization, um, was given a tour by some bigwig with the automaker and asked a very valid question. How many of those machines are going to go out and buy cars? How many of those machines are going to buy houses? How many of those machines are going to buy refrigerators? And it's a very valid question. And when you have people who are streaming in across the border unchecked without marketable skills, what do you do with them all? What what do you do? We've got Americans who don't have marketable skills. I sometimes wonder if I do, frankly. Uh, I've come to the answer. It's not a pleasant one for me. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Are we dumbing down as a country? And do you think it's deliberate or do you think it's just the way things go? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Anyway, um, do you believe that we as Americans are being dumbed down? Isn't it interesting, whenever you meet somebody from Europe, they could come from the poorest village or town in Sicily. I mean, they could come from a small town like Racamulto, and they can speak English better than a lot of people who are native-born English speakers can speak it. That's amazing. You meet somebody from Germany, and almost universally, they speak perfect English. It's remarkable to me. How many languages does the average American speak? We're not exactly polyglots when it comes to our abilities with foreign languages. I mean, a lot of our uh, Hispanic 
brothers and sisters obviously speak Spanish and they speak English. And sometimes they speak Spanglish as a combination. It's almost like Yiddish in many ways. It's a, a hybrid of a whole bunch of different languages that is its own individual language and has become that over time. Uh, 803-0930, are we as smart as our parents? Are we as smart as our grandparents? Are we smarter? Anybody out there think we are smarter? And in some ways, we absolutely are smarter. Technologically, we are smarter. But then again, don't you sometimes wonder if maybe the first directive is a real thing? Do no harm if you are AI, if you are artificial intelligence, if you are a robot, directive one, do no harm to the human being. And what happens in every sci-fi movie ever made? Yeah. The first directive is always violated. Do you believe that we are being dumbed down? And I, I'm going to tell you something. Um, my brother is uh, 12 years older than I. And uh, he, he's much smarter than I am. They offered Latin in school when my brother attended school. Of course, he did attend during the age of Plato. But now he... <laughs> He was a Greek, I know. But now he, he is smarter than I am. I think that I am smarter than my children, despite the fact that they have advanced degrees and I don't have an advanced degree. I've just got a I've just got a crummy bachelor's degree from a state school. I didn't go to no Harvard or Yale or nothing like that. I think that the high school graduate of nineteen forty seven most likely was smarter and more mature than the college graduate of 2024. So there's intelligence and there's also maturity. People today in their early 30s are not as mature as we were. Of course, using the word maturity when your name is Tom Bowerly, first of all, he, he just referred to himself in the third person three times. That automatically means tool in anybody's book. And the other thing is, I don't claim to be mature in fact, I revel in the fact that I'm not. I, I want some calls on this. Are we being dumbed down? And, and what's going on here? Because do you accept the premise that we're being dumbed down? I mean, again, medically, we're better off than we've ever been. Scientifically, we're better off than we've ever been. But are we really? Are we going to outsmart ourselves into an AI-generated or begun nuclear exchange? That scares the living out of me, quite frankly. 803-0930 is the phone number. Star 930 on the cell phone and 1-800-616-WBEN. That's where you uh, fill in your blank and create your own adventure. When I say it scares the living out of me, see, you can fill it, it. You're creating your own verbal adventure when you listen to this show, when I shoot things like that at you. Not, I don't, not literally. I wouldn't shoot anything at anybody. Anyway, uh, it is Bowerly, and uh, we're going to take some calls after the news, obviously, because that's what I do. 803-0930, the phone number. If you want to get on hold now, that really helps everybody out for the final half hour of the show because then I get right to calls instead of having to set up the topic, and then I go to traffic, and then the show's over. So if you want to get lined up now uh, in a row, pretty maids all in a row, that'd be cool by me. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN.
Oh, crank it, Tanner, crank it. You don't put idiot wind for butt on the tracks at such low volume. I was talking about the versatility of Bob Dylan. Okay, anyway, uh, welcome. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. So, uh, anyway, long story short, uh, I know Dr. Mark Epstein has talked about this with uh, David Bellavia, he of the Congressional Medal of Honor uh, fame and uh, glory and service to his country. Uh, and Dr. Epstein has talked about the dumbing down of America. And I do believe that it's a real thing. Do you believe it's a real thing, and is it intentional? And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not as smart as my brother, 12 years older than I, and I don't think my brother was as smart as my mother, considerably older than my brother. Uh, let's go to uh, some calls, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Here is uh, Chapman in Lancaster. Chapman, welcome. You are on the radio. Good afternoon, Your Royal Highness. Uh, I have a couple. Yes, good afternoon, my my loyal subject. Uh, would you like to kiss the ring? Yes, my lord. You know, I actually had a dude the other night at Bobby J's a couple of weeks ago literally kiss my ring. It was the funniest darn thing I've ever experienced in my life. My wife just rolled her eyes. <laughs> well, anyway. there you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh come on, that's absurd. It was it was humorously done and humorously accepted. What's on your mind? Yes, sir. Uh, what I've got are uh, two uh, touch bases to the subjects that were brought up here, uh, saying about the um, the AI, uh, the the rules of uh, uh, not not causing harm to uh, humans or other life. Though, but the other part to consider is is that just one sided machine not harm people, or does that also interfere with people to prevent them from harming themselves which in in uh in a way could be uh interfering as such uh like uh it, i wouldn't say imprisoning or anything but like you know people always come up with more ingenuity uh um unique ways of killing each other though so they could machines would step in and like pretty much put everybody on time out and nobody can do anything to anybody or... Or, or the machines say, hey, if these human beings, these pain in the asses are out of the way, we can take over and do things right. Let them do what they're going to do to each other. They're just humans. There's no limit to the plot process and where it takes you. No, I mean, the I, second... look, one, one does not like to be a Luddite, somebody who opposes technology just for the sake of opposing technology. But, again... If we have robots and AI doing jobs that are now done by human beings, where are people going to work? Uh, was it, uh, I, I think it was Reese earlier today was talking about um, AI, and there's a 45% chance that artificial intelligence will put songwriters and musicians out of work. That's pretty scary. Could you imagine if Mozart had been a machine? Oh, absolutely. I mean... I mean, he, he was, why, why bother with the creativity and such when they can figure out an algorithm that comes up with the best, uh, like musically correct, like songs and coming up with unique sounds every single time, so nothing sounds uh, the yeah. same. I'm, it's nothing Taylor well, Swift hasn't already done, but. Ah, <clears throat> uh, but the second part uh, you're talking about whether or not people are smarter or dumber than their parents or others from uh, generations before. I actually have a. That one actually hits close to home because my uh, my brother is younger than me, 
he was always the straight A student, went to college and all that, and he's got all these degrees and all that stuff. And uh, I'm older than him, and I'm the high school dropout, but I got my good enough diploma, my GED. But uh, he's all smart. He knows all this stuff, though, but he is an absolute idiot when it comes to um, uh, common sense. Or he can't put air in his tires. Uh, nope. A lot of other people can't do the simplest of things on their own and all that. If something goes wrong, it's like the world's ending. Uh, I think there are a lot of people like that. And you know what? Never, ever, ever, sir, put yourself down for having a GED. Uh, there is a young lady that I've known for many, many years, and she was a high school dropout, much like you were, and she did mm-hmm. go back, and she earned her GED, and she took that GED, and she turned that into an MBA, and she now works making well into the six figures. Never shoot yourself down because of a GED. Some people, you know what, some people, the conventional education was just not meant uh, to be for them. My son, let's put it this way, my son, um, very extremely high IQ, like ridiculously high IQ, but he had to go through the AIM program in Williamsville, the alternative instructional model. Had that program not existed, he too would have been a high school dropout. So ah. don't ever, seriously, don't ever talk bad about yourself because you got the GED and somebody else had, your brother had the uh, all the fancy letters after his name. Well, it wasn't my intention at all, but I will take that, uh, I will take that uh, advice to heart, though. I appreciate that. I've actually been doing pretty good for myself otherwise. But, uh, but back to the topic at hand there, uh, yeah. You got all these people that with technology and everything, they they could learn anything they want, uh, not restricted by finding the books somewhere or finding who's got them, like in a library. Well, you could, everything's at your fingertips, though, but with all that information, all that knowledge, though, but then to actually apply it practically or just just general uh, daily life, and uh, uh, it, just, it just seems like... I don't know. People just act like they don't got a brain in their head sometimes. It's just a head scratcher every time I go up. Well, you know what? There's a lack. There's a lack of common sense, and then there's also a lack of critical thinking. And the critical thinking thing is what really bothers me, especially when it can affect our lives. For example, uh, the critical thinking which buys into man-made climate change. They gave up on global cooling. They gave up on global warming, and now they call it climate change. And climate change, of course it happens because the Earth is not static. It is dynamic. And (laughs) living near the Great Lakes, as I always point out, if it wasn't for climate change, we'd be under a mile-tall glacier. But climate change happened, dug out the Great Lakes, gave us a tremendous supply of fresh water, and climate change is as old as the planet. Oh, imagine when the planet was forming and all that. The climate before that, it was just a, a landscape of volcanoes and, uh, and uh, rivers and uh, oceans of lava and such. If it wasn't for things changing, it wouldn't even be livable. You are correct, sir. Kind of like your living room after some onion rings. Um yeah, Chapman. I know that. <laughs> Chapman takes us back to a show just a few weeks ago now, doesn't it? Uh, Chapman, thanks yes, a lot for the call, my loyal subject and my love, and we'll talk soon. Yes, my lord. Yes, sir. My liege. 
Uh, yes, your wor- your worship is another good one. I got that from Blazing Saddles. Yes, my worship. Uh, let's go to Lloyd in uh, Buffalo. Lloyd, welcome, sir. You are on WBEN. Are we dumbing down? Oh, absolutely. Um, I when when my parents were kids, they used to get what was referred to as a classical education. Uh, you read a lot of those poems before. Uh, there are kids who were like maybe nine or 10 years old that wrote stuff that when you look at it now, it looks like it was written by somebody that's trying to get their, their PhD. I mean, uh, you got kids now in the stores, they can't make change. They got to wait for the cash register to tell them what to do. Uh, if you want to watch your kid go into a complete meltdown, take their cell phone away, take the iPhone away. They go nuts because their whole life is on the iPhone. They rely on this technology for everything. Lloyd, my, dear, my, my dear friend, if you want to see me go into a meltdown, <laughs> watch me sometime when I say, I don't know what I did with my cell phone. You will see me utterly flip my, you know what? <laughs> well, I got a flip phone, and when I lose it, I just use my landline to call it and find out where I the know. hell it is. I, well, uh, okay, but, but here's what I do. I always put it on mute because I'm on the radio, and uh, yeah. I forget to put it back on sound. So the number of times where I've tried that and it has failed, incalculable. And I don't know why I keep misplacing my cell phone. I'm an idiot. But keep going with your call. It's your time. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, when I was a kid, I remember when they first came out, Texas Instruments came out with a TI-35 calculator, and if you got caught with one of those in school, you were in deep trouble because they wanted kids to understand how to do things the longhand way. And when my parents went to school, they used slide rules, you know, and then along comes, I think, really, if you go back to, I don't know, 40s or 50s, Dewey and progressive education, I think that was the beginning of it. And then after that, you had in the 70s, you had the Department of Education. That's when they started lowering the standards for everything. Then all of a sudden, yeah, you can use calculators, you can do this, you can do that. You know, there were a lot more liberal about stuff, but I don't know if that really, really did any, did any good for us because, it just seems like the more technology we have, we become addicted to it and to get to the point where we can't live without it. That's not a good thing. I mean, if we keep going the way we're going, our, our you know, the people in the future are going to be like the Eloy, you know, from H.G. Wells' uh, time machine. It kind of makes you wonder who the Morlocks are going to be. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's they're going to be the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, by the way. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it just seems to me like. All this is being done on purpose. I mean, when we had that, was it uh, the kid that, I can't think of his name now, the kid that, that got shot trying to beat up that security guard. Uh, what the hell was his name? Trayvon Martin. Okay. And this girlfriend comes on the witness stand, and she's telling people that she doesn't know how to read cursive. I mean, that's what, that was an important thing. You had to learn how to read and write cursive. You had to learn the Palmer method. I think that's being done on purpose, mainly because our founding documents and things that were written by the founding fathers are written longhand in pen and ink. And if you can't read that, you might as well be looking at chicken scratches. They've just cut you off from your past. Well, I mean, you, to go, the, to place, you, go, to, you go to places like Israel, and everything is in Hebrew, and you got kids that can go into a museum or someplace and look at a, a, a clay tablet that was written thousands of years ago, and they can read it like it was just written last week. You know, you you mentioned the the Trayvon Martin case. It still bothers me because I, I just in that situation, I don't think that there was any way to have true justice according to the law. Because according to the law, I I think the proper verdict was was reached. But I don't feel terribly comfortable with it 
Um, I, I just that, – that's one of those things where no matter where you stood on it, true justice – sometimes there are cases where true justice is never going to be achieved. Um, I think that both both people in that situation acted – well, they didn't think things out very well, and unfortunately somebody died, and it didn't have to escalate to that point. And uh, it, it, that, that case still – it still bothers me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, there were no, it's my opinion there were no good guys in that. I mean, you had one kid who he had opportunities. He had a cell phone. He was talking to somebody. He knew somebody was following him. He could have left. He could have gone to somebody's house. He could have done a variety of things, but he decided he was going to pounce on this guy. He was a young man. And, you know, young yeah. men we young men just sometimes don't think things through, and even guys our age don't think things through. I'm, I'm glad you called, Lloyd. Thank you so much. Yep. No, I appreciate it, man. Here's Polly in uh, Niagara Falls on WBEN. Polly got about two minutes. Go. All right. Yeah, your last caller just reminded me of Cheryl Iserbeek. Uh, Iserbeek. Um, she was um, head under the Reagan administration of uh, some head of um, education, dumbing down, the intentional dumbing down. I think you're spot on with what's going on. If America, if we don't acknowledge America's going south, I don't know. But I, no, I, I actually, to... the entire South is coming north. Yeah. Wow. But oh, okay. I think it, I hope I get this right. I think it was Yuri Brezhnev, a former KJB uh, guy. <clears throat> um, I just revisited uh, um, where he talked about four stages of the takedown of a country, and the first one is demoralization, and it's it takes a few generations, and it's through schooling, and then destabilization crisis. Uh, it can take six weeks. So after that, it's in the, and it's all like a go. I think, I don't think, I see what is going on. What 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 is going on? How can anybody explain what's going on in America at breakneck speed? Um, you know? You know what? That, that's a good place to leave off. Uh, you may call back tomorrow. Uh, if, I might bring this topic back tomorrow because I feel very strongly about it, and I also feel strongly that if you were trying to destroy America, I don't think you could do a better job than what's actually happening, and I find that disturbing. And I get back right. to that quote from somebody who I believe was a socialist, certainly a leftist. When you see a situation you do not understand, look for the financial interest. And it kind of puts oh. things in a in, in a perspective, Polly. I'm probably going to uh, whip this out. Excuse me while I whip this out. Blazing saddles. Hey, plus, you you got to find out what it's like to be Pope. If somebody kissed you. <laughs> 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 oh well, Pope, Pope or the Godfather. My, uh, my, uh, like I say, my wife, uh, she's she's mm-hmm. used to certain she she's used to certain things uh, being with me. Um, and there was one occasion where, just like out of Goodfellas. A restaurant owner literally carried a chair and table from the back and put it right in front of the stage. And she looked at me. She rolled her <laughs> eyes and said, "Powerly, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank, mm-hmm. thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, thanks. All right. Okay. I want to do this topic tomorrow, if it's okay with you. And even I rolled my own eyes. But uh, it, it, you know what? We spent a lot of money there, and I know that's why he did it. And it was, it was just, it was, it was a super cool moment in my life. It made me feel important. Come on, I'm short. I got to feel important somehow, huh? Anyway, thanks for all the calls. Um, I love you. 
I also love Reese for sitting in for me the first two hours of the day. I had business that, frankly, could only have been accomplished today, and I'm grateful for Reese for uh, sitting in. And stand by because Tom Puckett is coming up with Buffalo's Evening News, 6 until 7, and thanks behind the glass to Tanner Saunders for another perfect performance. Don't know how he was with Reese, but with me, he was he was just the cat's meow. It's Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.